Good day, friends. It's September 6th, and this is the day that the Lord has made. How will we respond to God's good gifts today? Will we take them for granted? How will we respond to the grace of God that has made possible our reconciliation with God and made peace so our hearts and minds can find rest in Him? Let us dive into God's Word and discover reasons for us to be glad and rejoice in the light of His day. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, and I am your host, David McAdam. I am so glad that we can share this time together and encourage each other with our daily intake of God's Word to be strengthened in our innermost parts of our being, trusting in the power of the Spirit to seal His truth upon our hearts. We all go through tough times in life, but we can know the keeping power of the Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. As Corey Ten Boom said, As one who miraculously survived suffering in a Nazi concentration camp, there is no pit so deep where God's love is not deeper still. We come today to the 22nd book of the Old Testament, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, and it celebrates love that is as strong as death. Nothing in this world surpasses the strength of the love of God, not even the otherwise unconquerable enemy, death. The Word of God tells us that death is the last enemy and that even it will fall at the last. God's love will reign supreme. Listen to the Lord of life and the Lord of love as he speaks to a grieving sister of a deceased brother. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? John chapter 11 verses 25 and 26. The Song of Solomon is most likely a staged poetic drama prepared for a wedding celebration, the sealing of a marriage covenant. The final call in chapter 8, verse 6, is to have the Lord of love, our heavenly bridegroom, set as a seal upon our hearts in a covenant relationship that is bound by a faith that is energized by love. So let's begin today's reading journey as we set out into an exploration of this loving relationship between the lover, the bridegroom, and the beloved, the Shulamite bride. Know that today, on this day, that he has made, he, the one who is greater than Solomon, the heavenly bridegroom, rejoices over his beloved bride, the church. We love him because he first loved us. The Song of Solomon And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And I have asked my bride, Mary Ellen McAdam, to read the part of the bride, the Shulamite maiden. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. The Bride Confesses Her Love. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedah, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, 
where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who fails herself beside the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Chapter 2 I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. The bride adores her beloved. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands, behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. The Bride's Dream, Chapter 3 On my bed by night I sought him whom my soul loves, I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city. In the streets and in the squares, 
I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The watchman found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Solomon arrives for the wedding. What is that coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant? Behold, it is the litter of Solomon. Around it are sixty mighty men, some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and expert in war, each with his sword at his thigh against terror by night. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its posts of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple. Its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look upon King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. Solomon admires his bride's beauty. Chapter 4 Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost its young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, that graze among the lilies. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Senir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride! How much better is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your oils than any spice! Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride, a spring locked, a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates, with all choicest fruits, henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all choice spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water, and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden, let its spices flow.
together in the garden of love. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Thank you, Mary Ellen. That was fun. I think every married couple should read through the Song of Solomon together like that. We have left behind the book of Vanities of Vanities and started the reading of Song of Songs, the Song of Song, which is Solomon's. The former book dealt with life under the sun, lived within the limits of natural perception, reason, and conscience. The reporter described the emptiness of a life lived separated from a personal relationship with the living God. The Song of Solomon points to the deepening love of the Shulamite maiden for the shepherd king in a marriage covenant relationship. There's been a lot of debate recently about the Song of Solomon. Archaeologists have discovered writings in a similar style to this book. They tend to merely see this book as a compendium of love poems written to be performed as a drama for one of Solomon's weddings. Remember, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. However, the book is more than just a tribute to marital love and sexual desire, although it does describe the appreciation that the bride and groom have for each other's sexuality. The Jews traditionally see the book as describing the love that the Lord God has for his people, Israel, and the love that his people have for him. It is easy to see how the Song of Solomon speaks of the love that the heavenly bridegroom has for his bride, the church, and the church for the bridegroom. It is also a book that reflects the deepening love that the individual believer has for the Lord and the Lord for the individual believer. The book tells how Solomon, who visited the various parts of the then United Kingdom, came upon a royal vineyard in the north. Shulem was apparently a village in the northern territory of Ephraim. There the king and his royal entourage came upon a poor but beautiful peasant woman tending her vines. The woman was embarrassed and, feeling very self-conscious, ran from them. The king saw the woman and was captivated by her beauty. He could not forget her. Later, he returned to the vineyard, disguised as a shepherd, determined to win her to himself. So here we have a picture of the lover of the lowly, our shepherd king, who left his throne to seek us out. What a wonderful picture of Christ, the lover of our souls. The song starts with the longing of the maiden for personal fellowship with this shepherd. She speaks in the company of the daughters of Jerusalem in verses 2 through 7 of chapter 1. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. This passage looks beyond the intimate embrace of a man and a woman and speaks of something that surpasses the sweetest that this natural world can offer. That which proceeds from the mouth of God is the Spirit-wrought Word of God, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. When the Holy Spirit anoints the words of His mouth, they touch our hearts, capture our affections. They are met with the lips of our confession of faith. The result is that we are bonded in the embrace of divine fellowship. The title, Christ, in the Greek language, literally means the Anointed One. His name is like ointment, anointing oil poured out. His attributes are summed up in His name. At Pentecost, His name is poured out upon His beloved body, the Church. We share His communicable attributes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The fact that we are drawn into fellowship with the Son by the Father is reflected in verse 4. Draw me after you and let us run together. The King has brought me into His chambers. We will rejoice in you and be glad. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4. When we are brought into the household of faith, we can appreciate all who love Him. We join in their rejoicing and praise. The Shulamite makes apologies for her rough appearance, 
However, the bridegroom will look beyond the woman's outward appearance, damaged by too much exposure to the natural light, and see her in the light of redemption. This woman acknowledges that due to all her service for her siblings and their vineyards, she failed to take care of her own. In his presence, she is mindful of her lack. Don't we find that this can be the case in our own lives? We are so busy doing the Lord's work, work in the vineyard, that we neglect our own relationship with the Lord, our own vineyard. The vineyard imagery triggers the organic unity, the head-to-body, one-flesh relationship that Jesus spoke of being available to his disciples when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches, in John chapter 15, verse 5. This Shulamite maiden knows that she has been called into a pure and singular relationship with this shepherd king, even though she is one of many potential brides. She seeks to know this shepherd. She is curious to ask more about him. Where does he pasture his flocks? Where does he make them lie down at noon? Why should she be like one who veils herself now that he knows who she is? To understand this book, you need to distinguish who is speaking. When the term, my beloved, or you whom my soul loves is used, the speaker is the bride. When the term, my love, my darling, it is the bridegroom who is speaking. The bridegroom, the shepherd king, speaks in verses 8 through 10. Other friends, most likely the daughters of Jerusalem, speak in verse 11. The Shulamite speaks again in verses 12 through 14 and receives the bridegroom's reply in verse 15. The bride speaks in verses 16 through chapter 2, verse 1. She feels like a common flower, nothing special. She is just one of many lowly flowers of the field. I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 1. He disagrees with her, seeing her once again in a different light. He pivots on that statement. She is not a common flower. She is one of a kind. Like a lily among the thorns, so is my darling among the maidens. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 2. The ESV translates it as a lily among brambles. She responds in verses 3 through 6, describing him and the profound impact he has had upon her. She has been called into an intimate relationship with this shepherd king who provides shelter and sustenance. In verse 7, she speaks to the daughters of Jerusalem, asking that they do not disturb her privileged communion with her bridegroom. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 17 describes the seeking bridegroom and the unresponsive bride. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 describes the seeking bride and the responsive bridegroom. The call of the bridegroom is a call to participation in a shared life together in a new season of life. Notice the sevenfold signs of resurrection in verses 10 through 13. Number 1. The winter is past. Chapter 2, verse 11a. Number 2. The rain is over and gone. Chapter 2, verse 11b. Number 3. Flowers have already appeared on the land. Chapter 2, verse 12a. Number 4. The time has arrived for the pruning of the vine. Chapter 2, verse 12b. Number 5. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Chapter 2, verse 12c. Number 6. The fig tree has ripened. Chapter 2, verse 13a. Number 7. The vines in blossom have given forth their fragrance. Chapter 2, verse 13b. These are seven signs of resurrection life, the season of springtime. What an invitation! She shares what she has heard of the bridegroom's call with the daughters of Jerusalem. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. He speaks of his affections for her and that he longs to hear her voice in the secret steep pathway. This is a wonderful picture 
of welcomed divine communion and conversation in prayer. Chapter 2, verse 14. She recognizes that there are influences that can sabotage the fellowship she shares with her beloved, the little foxes that spoil the vine and mar the possibilities of future fruitfulness. In chapter 2, verse 15. Although she professes to have a relationship with him, she turns him away. In chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. Therefore, it appears that her beloved moves on. In chapter 3, she has a dream. She seeks him, but cannot find him. She looks for him in the wrong places and consults the wrong people. As believers who are seeking fellowship with the Lord, we sometimes make the same mistakes. Why did it take so long for her to find her bridegroom? She sought him within the confines of her own comfort zone. The bridegroom is found at the cross. When the Lord Jesus calls his bride, she is to take up the cross also. We must come to the Lord on His terms and not expect Him to come to us on ours. She sought Him at the end of the day on her bed, yet He is to be sought from the start of the day, from the rising of the sun and throughout the day. He is to be our first thought by day and by night. He was not to be found in the city. He is not tied up in the traffic of this world, but He is found on the trail of the flock, serving by the shepherd's tents. In chapter 1, verse 8. We can find him in fellowship with his flock, dining at his banqueting hall, climbing mountains of Bethar, or in the secret place of the steep stairway. Seek the Lord where he may be found, at the cross, in the fellowship of his people, the flock of his pasture, where he is ministering through his word by the shepherd's tents and his banqueting table. Find him scaling the mountains of mission. Find him in the secret place of prayer. If we are seeking fellowship with the Lord, we must be aware of his moves, his interests, and the places he frequents. The Gospels do not record a single night that Jesus spent within the city walls of Jerusalem, except the night he was betrayed. And even then, he went outside the city walls to commune with his father in Gethsemane. He did not sleep in the city. He was tried and condemned to die, banished by those in the city to die outside the city. She also sought the Lord, seeking advice from the wrong people, The watchmen were concerned with the law of the land, and they did not know the shepherd king personally. They might have known about him, but they did not know him. Far from directing her to him, they are clueless, and in the future will wound her. In chapter 6, verse 7, eventually she finds him outside the city. She holds on to him and will not let him go until she brings him into her ancestral home or the room of her who conceived me. In other words, she is willing to be joined to him in the intimate love embrace of marriage. Chapter 3, verse 4. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verses 6 through 11, describes the king's wedding day. It is a glorious day of fulfilled promises. Chapter 4 is a love song from the bridegroom for the bride. The bride is poetically described in redemption's terms, eyes, hair, teeth, lips, temples, neck, and breasts. She has the eyes of doves, reminding us of the eyes of the Holy Spirit. He holds her in the embrace of His affection, seeing her in her glory. Until the cool of the day, when the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. He invites her to join Him in His mission. In verse 8, Come with me from Lebanon, my bride, May you come with me from Lebanon. Journey down from the summit of Amana, from the summit of Senir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. 
Life with a Shepherd King is a redemptive adventure that is not without dangers. The bridegroom confesses that he has strong feelings for his bride. You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster. With a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace, How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine, the fragrance of your oils, than all kinds of spices. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. The bridegroom receives with joy an intimate relationship with his bride. She is his inheritance, his enclosed garden, his refreshment. How wonderful to know that the bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Verse 16 is an invitation to mature in love with a deeper knowledge of one another. The Holy Spirit is like the wind that can stir up the fragrance of Christ in His church. Awake, O north wind, and come, wind of the south. Make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let its spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into His garden and eat its choice fruits. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 16. And God willing, we will be continuing this love poem tomorrow. Now we must move on to today's reading in the New Testament, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. Paul's commendation of Titus, verse 16. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care that I have for you. For he has not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our good will. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. This concludes our reading from the New Testament. Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to participate in the grace of giving, a ministry of the Holy Spirit. They can do this by not neglecting their pledge to help the church in Jerusalem financially. He gave them the encouraging example of the Macedonian churches in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-6, through 6, and then the example of Christ himself in verse 9. He encourages them to finish what they started and keep their commitment in verses 10-15. through 15. Paul takes this matter of financial responsibility and accountability seriously. He takes precaution in how the money is to be collected, transported, and distributed. Titus and brothers who have been tested and proved to be faithful are appointed to safeguard the mission of collecting and delivering the amounts collected. This ensured that no funds are siphoned off for other purposes. Paul expresses his efforts as taking precautions so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. Next stop in our Bible reading tour is the book of Psalms, where we will be reading Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23. God himself is judge, a psalm of Asaph. Psalm 50. 
the Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before Him is a devouring fire. Around Him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that He may judge His people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare His righteousness for God Himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. In Psalm 50, we are reminded that God himself is judge. In verse 6, In this psalm he is pictured as bringing his people to account in a court of law. He calls the heavens and the earth as witnesses to the charges he is about to bring. In verse 4, he testifies against their religious externalism. They go through the motions of worship, satisfying ordinances with their external behavior, but their hearts are far from him. The Lord is not impressed with their rituals. He needs nothing from them, for all creation belongs to him. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is mine. Verses 10 and 11. Those who worship God as He truly is will bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving. They will call upon Him as Lord and Savior and glorify Him as such. In verse 15. The wicked cannot fool the Lord with their religious games. He knows the heart, discerns the motives, and monitors the attitudes. For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you associate with adulterers. In verses 17 through 18, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and the wicked give free rein to unwholesome speech. Your tongue frames deceit. Psalm 50 verse 19, How cleverly the sin nature will verbally excuse and justify its wrongdoing. To the wicked, God gives a strong warning. To the repentant, He gives strong consolation. Now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces and there will be none to deliver. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and to him who orders his way aright I shall show the salvation of God. Verses 22-23 through And now we close with a trip to the book of Proverbs, 
Proverbs chapter 22, verses 22 and 23. Do not rob the poor, because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause, and rob of life those who rob them. This proverb reminds us that we must love what God loves and hate what He hates. We must share in God's compassion for the poor and plead for their case. We must not rob them or allow them to be robbed. Or the Lord, who is a just judge, can rob us of life and its many blessings. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we delight in You for the great love shown to us. Thank You for betrothing us to Your Son and calling us into fellowship with the redeemed. We thank you also for the gift of marriage and how it reflects so many wonderful truths about the community of oneness we are called to share with you throughout the ages. We thank you for the gift of love, marriage, and how human sexuality by your design is for our good and your glory. Teach us how to cultivate our communion with you and participate with your glorious purposes together with your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that wraps up today's reading from the One Year Bible, and we hope to continue tomorrow reading the book of Solomon and Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. It was a special blessing to have my wife, Mary Ellen, with me today. We look forward to maturing in love, even as Solomon and the Shulamite do in this wonderful book. You can go to our website, newlife.org, and you can subscribe to a daily email with a written copy of each day's commentary, and we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. So until then, may you know the Holy Spirit shedding abroad in your heart the love of God. Shalom.